Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Money Mondays. We are co-hosted with the real Tarzan. This guy gets almost 200 million views a month. He is right here with us talking about animals, his passion, his charity. And our special guest today is a dear friend, UFC fighter, entrepreneur. He owns businesses. He does amazing backflips in the ring. Please give it up for Mr. Michael Chandler. I like the backflip. The backflips is kind of like the highlight of, of my life, you know? <laughs> I get excited for it. <laughs> so, Michael. The Money Mondays, we only talk about three things. How do you make money? How do you invest money? And how do you give it away to charity? So before we do that, give us the quick two-minute bio. Who is Michael Chandler? Oh, man. Michael Chandler was a small guy from High Ridge, Missouri. I uh, started wrestling because I wasn't going to be the star quarterback at the starting point guard. It was 100 pounds soaking wet. Uh, so went into wrestling, parlayed that into a college wrestling career, walked on to University of Missouri. And then... Uh, was blessed enough to wrestle or wrestle with two guys who ended up becoming successful in mixed martial arts, Tyron Willie Ben Askren. They were kind of like my big brothers. And since then, just um, I'm a father, I'm a husband, business owner, investor, and living the dream. Fun fact. So Tyrone and, and Ben are 40% of the people that Jake Paul fought. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is true. Well, it, there was kind of a running joke where I was like, well, maybe I'm the, the other Mizzou Tiger who's supposed to fight Jake Paul. <laughs> is Jake a real boxer? Um, you, you know, he in today's society, he is a real boxer. I always say I would never, ever in a million years hate on Jake Paul for what he's doing. Like people say, oh, he's not the real boxer. I'm like, well, he trains. He captured enough attention got enough eyeballs, got enough interest, made people feel something enough to say, hey, if I step in the boxing ring, people are going to watch me. Promotions are going to get behind me. There's going to be pay-per-view sales. So those are checking all the box of him Him being a professional boxer. Now, a guy his size who has been a professional boxer, 30 and 0, like, would he be able to beat that person? No. As you said, Ben Askren, not a professional boxer. Tyron Woodley, not a professional boxer. But Jake Paul, Logan Paul, coming in and doing what they've done, they are professional athletes, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And I don't think it delegitimizes the sport necessarily. It definitely doesn't delegitimize mixed martial arts. It could possibly delegitimize boxing a little bit, saying, hey, this guy who was a YouTuber and a Disney star, or whatever you want to call him, came in and now is now a pro boxer. But as I said, they're hustling. They're getting after it. They know their lane, and they've made a huge ripple. And And... They are pro boxers. And it's entertaining. It is entertaining. Wait, I've, I've watched all of them. So, of I mean, mainly because they were fighting Your my friends. friends. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> all right. So, how do you make money? How do you invest money? How do you give it away to charity? The first question is, how does Michael Chandler make some money? So, my first and foremost, my job is obviously being a professional mixed martial artist. Um, came into the sport uh, 2008. 10 or 11, very, very green, ended up winning the world title within two years, which was kind of crazy. Yeah, like <laughs> very crazy, very fast, which put me in a great position with the number two organization in the world, Bellator, um, was with Bellator for, you know, quite a while and then just made the transition to the UFC. Um, and I have, you know, similar, you know, very dissimilar to a lot of guys, but similar to a few of the kind of smart ones. I've always said I want to break the mold of what a, of what a, a fighter is. And I don't want to make my, my fight purse and then go blow it on, you know, some nice fancy car or whatnot. A lot of it is a testament to how I was raised. You know, I was a low, lower middle class, blue collar family, son of a carpenter, son of a, a mom who was a secretary and worked at my grandpa's uh, restaurants. Um, so we were just very, they were just very frugal and I don't need a lot to be happy. So I've taken all of my you know, fight purses and, and done great things with them and then have ownership in a couple of different companies, um, started my own fitness app. So I've, I just wanted to, I always knew that I wanted to be way ahead of the curve for that time when I take those gloves off for the last time that I was going to already not, I was already going to walk right into the next phase of, of who I am as a, as an entrepreneur or, or how I make money. So there's a 19-year-old out there that wants to become a UFC fighter or a strike force fighter, and they're about to step into the ring. Their first three fights, five fights, ten fights, how much could they expect to make for the first five or ten fights? Oh, my gosh. I mean, well, first, you have to start on the local scene. Local scene, you're making basically a couple hundred bucks. You know, my first fight was at Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, in front of 17 people. <laughs> you know, after I after I paid for my hotel, paid for my food, you know, I, I was it was 500 bucks, so I made like... 150 bucks, you know, um, 
but that's the delayed gratification of knowing, you know, you got to kind of, you're basically, you're basically just stacking up wins in the win column. Um, so those first couple fights, couple hundred bucks, thousand bucks, maybe. And then you're, you're hoping to get some sort of a, a promotion or a kind of a, a entry level develop, developmental deal with one of the major promotions. Um, obviously the sport of mixed martial arts is growing exponentially. The UFC being the, you know, the, the biggest, um, but more and more, middle tier to you know other promotions are popping up every now and then or often and uh you're not making much money at all you're definitely living on you know you're living with roommates you're you're living that which for me was easy i, I came from a college wrestling lifestyle not making any money obviously um to you know living with roommates and doing the same thing in my fight career so that 19 year old kid he's 24 years old now he's got 15 fights under his belt he just got offered a hundred thousand dollars for his next fight after he pays agents and managers and trainers and training camps, et cetera, what could someone like that think that they're going to end up making after they pay all those people? And what are some of the kind of ballpark numbers of those people that they have to pay make? Well, I mean, obviously taxes, you know, in that tax bracket, what are you paying? 20 something percent in taxes. Um, you know, there's always a gym fee. Um, what that is either a percentage or you're paying each, each one of your coaches. Um, strength and conditioning coach could be, outside of that you know and at that age i wasn't spending a lot of money on body work you know you're 24 years old you can right. run through a brick wall every <laughs> single day and you're fine but you know body work um supplements and all that kind of stuff you know maybe half of that you know and then so then it's then it's living off of it. and i think the biggest the hardest part about it is you really don't know when your next fight necessarily is you know you can only hope to have a good enough standing with your promotion where they're they're like, hey, okay, we like this guy. Whether it's his fight style, he's a he's a great ambassador for the brand. He's got he's got a look. He's great on the mic. He's got X, Y, and Z. All these intangibles that we want to push him. And hey, in, in two months we get him back in. Four months we'll get him back in. You know that was kind of the the hard part with me being in Bellator. Um, Bellator was a smaller organization with less fighters on it. So therefore there was numerous times I could go out there, knock a guy out in 45 seconds, take zero damage whatsoever. And I'm like, Hey, I'm ready to fight. Yeah. I'm ready to fight next month. And they're like, Oh, sorry. You're one of our stars now. So we, we can't put you on a card for eight months because that's when our next big paper or not right. our next big card is, you know? So it's just, uh, it's hard to, it, and I also saw that and I thought, well, this isn't on Bellator or if it was the UFC, this isn't on the promotion to give me a fight. I should not just have that one paycheck. I'm building a brand. I'm a professional athlete. I'm on at that time before the UFC, whether it was Spike TV or um, MTV2 or whatever, whatever we were on. I have a platform. I have a social media presence. I can, I'm starting to create relationships. I can start utilizing said relationships, start utilizing, um, the brand and the opportunities to make paychecks, whether it be sponsorships, whether it be appearances, whether it be anything to start making money just outside of that one paycheck that my promotion has to give me. So that actually leads me into my next question. That 24 year old kid is getting a hundred thousand dollar contract for his next fight. What are some other ways that they can make money? Is it autograph signings, appearances, sponsorship deals? Like what else can they do to make money? And is it worth it for them to do those other things? I think it is. I mean, and so I think I've had a somewhat of a very, somewhat of a unique career in a nutshell. I was, I truly believe one of the best guys in, in the world at 155 pounds for a very long time. Did I lose some fights? Yes. Did I, did I, I lost three fights in a row. My career was actually on life support for a second. Not quite sure what was going to happen next, but for the most part, I came back, won the world title again. And I was, you know, widely regarded as one of the top guys yet. I was outside of the UFC. So I didn't have the, the, the massive eyeballs that I have now, but I was creating relationships and I was creating and maintaining and cultivating a really good relationship. So I had a, a lower platform, but a, a high standing in the relationship side of things or in the relationship side of thing and the reputation side of things. Um, so with those reputation, I think I was, I was getting more money for sponsorships and appearances than most people would because I was reliable. I would show up on time. I was a good ambassador for whatever brand would ever put their name behind me. They knew I would, I would do what they, not just what they asked, but more than they asked and then bring back value in droves. Cause it's, you know, I think people, some athletes think, Hey, I can catch a football or I can throw a football or I can punch a guy and I can fight. So therefore pay me money. But it's not just about the, 
the X and the X's and the O's on the court, on the field, in the octagon, in the cage. It's about who are you as a human being? What do other people think about you, say about you? Um, and what, what do people think and feel whenever they see our logo or our name and brand behind you? So appearances, uh, the sponsorships, I've, I've worked very hard making my, my own luck when it came to sponsorships. I have great management, a great agent, great, great. He has great relationships with companies, but I have gone out and hunted and killed and brought in a lot of my sponsorships. And I, because I think, and you know, this owning and having numerous brands, if an agent comes to you and says, Hey, I got this fighter. You want to sponsor him? You're like, well, he's good, but I don't really know him. I always knew there is people and there's heartbeats and there's the human spirit behind every company. So how do you get to know the people before they're actually going to put their brand behind you? Um, and then, as I said, not only the appearances, the sponsorships, um, and investments, when you have a little bit of enough income that you can live off of and you can start investing in things. Um, and then as the platform continues to grow, you kind of just start making decisions based upon how big it is and how the offers start coming in. And so Tarzan, you, when you get these hundreds of millions of views or like you were wrestling with an ostrich last month and you got 30 million views in a video, how does that make you money? Like, how do you make money from social media? Well, it's more so traction too. And also what Mike did a really valid point of having a relationship with these companies, you know? So same thing with myself. Like I get all these crazy views from different things from ostriches to whales to crocodiles. You really can't sometimes monetize that because it's like, I can't drink a soda underneath the water, or, yeah. you know? I mean, I may wear a sweatshirt or something when I catch a snake or something, but other than that, I use that to like, work with airline companies or like hotels or just different things to minimize my output on finances. I'm going to pay for a flight. I'm going to pay for a hotel. So, Hey, but I mean, I can like pay money for straight dogs and stuff like that, but that just brings my content up. It's real raw and authentic. And when I come back and I get all these crazy views and then I slap an ad in the middle of a crazy YouTube video, they're like, yo, that, that video was crazy. And now they have an authentic, you know, piece in that, in that, in that project. So, it's all about relationships, man. Yeah, well, and, and what you're talking about too is is engaging in things also that are somewhat ROI negative. Like you you might be going to do something that you're not making a dollar for, but you know you're putting you're putting the goodwill in the the bank of this is going to be monetized down the from down the line from a strictly business standpoint. Absolutely. Obviously, it is your passion. Like you would do it for free. Mm -hmm. We all like everyone who knows you knows that you would do it for free, but absolutely. You know, I think that's even what I do as well. Is like, there's things that I do where it's like, hey, I'm not making any money for this, but I know it might create more relationships, build a bigger platform. It feel it fuels my passion. It makes me happy. So this event today doesn't make me any money, or the next one, or whatever I ever do might not make me money. But in the future, it's going to turn into it from a business standpoint, and my heart gets full, my cup gets full throughout the process. So we've talked about a couple of ways that Michael Chandler has made money. How have you invested money and why should athletes and entertainers be investing money? Well, I mean, so I think just from a, just from a, a philosophical standpoint, I think we always say like, well, you shouldn't have a plan B because if you don't have a plan B, that means you're not fully invested in the task at hand. And I've, I've never, I've, I'm always fully invested in the task at hand. There's, there's not, I don't think anybody around the world that I've trained with that would say, Hey, Michael Chandler slacks off. He doesn't, doesn't do things right. He, he cuts corners here, cuts corners there. So when I'm focused on the task at hand, I'm focused on the task at hand, but that doesn't mean that just because I have other investments or if I said, Hey, if everything ended today, I can go speak or do this or do these, these other things that I think I know I would probably really like. Um, so I have invested, um, Invested in real estate since I, I mean, I, I made my first real check. So Bellator used to hold a tournament. And if you fought three fights in three months, you'd win a hundred grand. I won that first hundred grand. I bought a house in Vegas where I was living. Um, ended up selling that house for triple what I paid for it. And then actually rented it. Well, I rented it out for four or five years and then, um, and then sold it for double or triple what I paid for it and then bought a house in San Diego that also had a rental property. So real estate has been some of it. And then investing in a few companies, but also um, trading my platform slash influence and reputation for equity in other companies as, as well. Um, so being a part of Speed Fitness, um, that was a very much a relation, reputation and relationship um, play. And, and, and even earlier hearing, hearing you talk too, I didn't know what speed was, 
So they said, hey, we really like you. Hey, you want, you, you want to be a part of this thing? I said, well, I can't exactly put my name behind something until I truly know the people and I know the product and I know like what is going to happen. What's the purpose for this thing? So went out to Chicago, spent 48 hours with the, the whole entire team and it felt right. And, and here we are. Um, Cram Nutrition as well. It's a PB&J company that we actually will have here um, tomorrow. Uh, on the go, PB&J, awesome co-founders, Ruth and Austin out of Colfax, California, New Northern California. You just... You start to meet these people and they have this this passion for what they are living or what they've created and because of your because of your reputation your connections and also them knowing that you've done this in the past you do it in your career you do it in your family life you do it in your relationships you do it in every other area of life so why wouldn't you do it with us you just get this this uh, reputation that they want you to be a part of it um, but going back to the plan B thing, I have no problem if anybody would sit here and say, Hey, well, it doesn't sound like you're hundred percent focused on fighting because I'm not, you know, when I get done with a fight, I want to spend a month or two or three, if I want to spending every single day with my family, filling up that part of my life. And I want to spend every single day for those couple months thinking about the other things that I'm standing up between you know, now and the day that I take off those gloves. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, I think we were created with enough bandwidth to be able to have multiple irons in the fire, or at least I am. And, and I've been very blessed with that. And I've, it's worked out well so far. So this question is for both of you, both Michael and Michael. <laughs> I always call you Tarzan. So you have so many brands and options that come to you. How do you decide what brands you're willing to align with? Let's we'll start with Tarzan. So I like to go with brands that are more congruent to my message, you know, and ones that I actually want to work with. Um, a lot of people always ask me, why do you have much more uh, brands and sponsorships? Like I, I like actually handpick who I want to work with. You know, I can have like six different energy drink companies hit me up, but Arizona IC will say, hey, I'll offer you this and they'll pay me a quarter of what the other ones would do, but they give me all the freedom to create content. You know, so I, I like to build up my portfolio with quality more than quantity. You know, the money thing is also great, but I also like to have a repertoire and a, a plethora of high class clients. You know, so if I can put an Arizona iced tea commercial out or Ignite commercial or a Foot Locker commercial, that's better to me to have 10 commercials. I'll take three, you know, so I like to pick and choose. That's great. Well, and, and the authenticity of, of it, too. I mean, you know, when you're talking about a certain brand, I mean, I could sit here and talk about product X and if my my viewership and my platform doesn't actually believe that I'm actually using the product or that I'm endorsing the product, you can tell you're endorsing a product just because it's a, a money deal. And I've never wanted to feel that way. There's, I mean, the temptation is always there when they're like, hey, we'll pay you this. And, but you're just like, yeah, but it's not even, and it's not even a, it's, it's just a intrinsic, this just doesn't feel right because I know what I'm saying to the camera doesn't really hit home. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think too. Um, and I think we talked about it today, you know, as, as, as people who are, who are driven as people who are always trying to create more in their and more in their life, we always have this idea that more is more or more is better. But at some point too, you can, you continue to build the reputation and you build what you're building by having, a laser focus on a couple rather than a big old wide net where people can't even tell like why is this why are you always talking about things or why are you always and then and for me too you know i just love adding value to you know what, what i mean a lot of times it's social media stuff where it's like posting stuff it's like i want people to get value out of what i'm saying and if i have to always talk about a brand that i don't really feel 100 percent congruent with or 100 percent invested in emotionally then I'm just really filling up my timeline with stuff that I'm that I don't believe, and then I'm also not adding value to people. Oh, you man! So yeah. I've actually never done a paid post for myself. As I got so many offers to pitch different affiliate programs and info products and consumer brands and cigarettes and nicotine and everything in between, I've only done three deals. I did Wells Fargo. I did a one-year deal with Wells Fargo to be on WellsFargo.com. I did Folgers Coffee. And I did Hertz Rent-A-Car. That's it. And the reason is, I actually like Wells Fargo. I've been using him <laughs> for 15 or 20 years. I like Hertz Rent-A-Car. It's the only one I rent from. Like, it was just things that I actually enjoyed. And someone offered me 
2K, 5K, 10K, or 20K to post something doesn't feel realistic because as you said, like if I hold up product X, people are like, why would you post product X when you invested in YZ? Like you yeah. invested in companies just like that. Why would you ever hold that up? Yep. And so I think it's important for people when you do get approached because you are micro influencers, medium-sized influencers, everybody listening out there, you have some sort of a following. If you ever get approached by a brand, make sure that it's not just about the money. Because your followers will remember if you just hold up some product that they don't like or some product that they know that you don't like, even that's more important. Okay. We talked about how do people make money. We talked about how do you invest money. The third topic and our final topic of the night is how do you give money away and why is charity important to athletes, influencers, and entrepreneurs that are out there? I think it's ex extremely important. I mean, one of my favorite quotes that I live by, Zig Ziglar says, you can have everything you want in life if you will help enough other people get what they want in life. And a lot of that doesn't always have to be monetary, obviously a, a helping hand, um, helping people out when they're down. It doesn't always have to be monetary when we're talking about kind of that philosophy. Um, but for the most part, I think it's it just fills up your cup. I mean, the funny thing is, I have a, a a book that I read to my, my son often and I love when he grabs it. It's called How Full Is Your Bucket? And you talk about, Talk about whenever you do something good, it fills up your bucket. You can fill up other people's bucket. You can dip into other people's bucket. They can dip into your bucket. Whenever you dip into someone else's bucket, you think you're just dipping into their bucket, but you're really dipping out of your own bucket as well. Um, I think we are created for relationships and we are created for community and we are created to help one another. And we all go through these series of seasons where we need a helping hand. Um, so for us, tithing at our church, doing charity events, uh, spending more, spending more money on a, uh, an auction item than I would normally <laughs> that I probably actually won't use it. I'm going to give it to somebody, yeah. um, donating and donating my, my time, um, and energy as well to different charity events. Um, but I just, th I think it's, it's extremely important. And, and it was something that I, I did struggle with for a very long time. And I, and candidly, I just talked to you earlier cause you gave your awesome talk about the 40, 40, 20 rule. And you talk about how much money should you have in your bank account? And you use the air quotes and said, well, I won't have a million dollars in my bank account to look cool. And I said, Dan, I, I kind of, I really do to this day. And I do think that I've, I've done very well, well for myself, but I do, I do deal with that, that fear and that scarcity mindset when it comes to money. And I really dealt with that for a very long time when it comes to charity. And I think a lot of people do, I mean, especially, especially your audience and your, your viewers. I mean, people who may have been dirt floor poor and somehow made it on this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey and now they're a, a millionaire, but they still might be dealing with that scarcity mindset that those old habits die hard, die hard, die hard. And the way that they were, the way that they were raised, you know, I can still hear people chirping in my ear from my childhood about money, about people who have a, you know, a nice car, so they must be a bad person or, or you know, like where, where I came from, that was kind of the, the, the mindset that I, that I grew up with, grew up in. So charity, Charity helps me by giving something away. Like you invest money in a company. You know, you talk about it all the time. You invest money in a company, you could make money or you hopefully will make money. But you, but you know, when you're giving charity, giving to charity, no money is coming back to you per se from that quote unquote transaction or that that giving. But the intrinsic feeling that you get, um, the feeling of value, the feeling of purpose. Um you know, my first, I launched a, a little clothing line called Blessed Threads many, many years ago. We And we gave a portion of the proceeds to Friends of Kids with Cancer, which was a small organization that helped families with of kids who were affected by cancer. Um, my wife and I are behind the scenes right now and talked a lot about working with, with adoption. You know, my, mm -hmm. my two sons are, are adopted. Um, so that's definitely a, a passion of ours. So, um, you know, and also as, as entrepreneurs too, or as business owners or me as an athlete, we're, we're daggum busy, nonstop busy, always chasing the next thing, thinking about charity, thinking about charity, something that isn't, I give this to get this back less transactional. It's all just giving. It unlocks something too in you that just makes you feel so much more happy. And as I said, for me too, growing up with kind of that scarcity mindset when it came to money, um, charity as well, or giving back really helps me loose that uh those fears and that scarcity if you will um and i'm sure a lot of listeners right now could can attest to that or feel like that was part of their journey and you know someday hopefully i'll get over it we'll see <laughs> I, I do charity because i want people to copy me and yeah. i want them to see the different types of charity that i do and then pick and choose what might be exciting for them 
So I do a back to school drive where the kids bring in their report cards. We do a report card drive actually too. So that's in June and in August, there's two different charity events where we have about 300 Latin families that come over and we look at the report cards or right before they're going to school, and we give them backpacks and shoes, et cetera. I don't go out there and raise money for that. I do that so people can do their own back to school drive or their own report card day in Alabama, Arkansas, New York, El Salvador, wherever they are in the world, they can do the same thing. We do our Thanksgiving food drive, which is obvious. You're not going to do the Thanksgiving food drive in a foreign country, but in America, wherever you are, you can do a Thanksgiving food drive too. And it's not about the money part. And I, again, I don't ask people to donate. I want them to go do a Thanksgiving food drive in their city of Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, Miami, et cetera. And then we do the, the, the toy drive. That's nuts. The toy drive, this is our ninth year that we did it. This is coming up on our 10th year. Nine years ago, there was four of us on the floor wrapping toys for the same 300 families. On year two, there's 12 of us. On year three, there's like 30 of us. And now, obviously, a few weeks ago, we just broke the Guinness Book World Records for the world's largest toy drive. That stemmed from just compounding of like four kids, 12 people, 30 people, volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. And all of a sudden, a snowball turns into an avalanche. I don't ask people to donate. I want people to go do a toy drive in their city. There's mm-hmm. no reason you can't do a toy drive in Albuquerque, New Mexico or Austin, Texas or anywhere you are. It doesn't take money. It takes community power and energy. Mm-hmm. And there's one other kind of version of charity, which isn't exactly charity, but it's kind of like charity. That's called the $100 tipping club where you just get like 70 of your friends or 14 of your friends together and you all pitch in hundred bucks each and you tip the waitress 1200 bucks, cool. 1400 bucks. Sometimes we do a baller one which I make all these entrepreneurs if they want to come meet me. And like, I always get DMs like, oh, I want to pick your brain. I want to meet you. Okay, come to my $1,000 <laughs> club. Don't give me any money. P- pitch in a thousand bucks and we're going to give it to the waitress. Nice. And we'll get like 20, 30 people to donate $20,000, $30,000 to the waitress plus the kitchen staff. Wow. I mean, that's so life changing, right? Baller, yeah. But more importantly, people started replicating it. I get tagged dozens and dozens of times per week of people that are doing a tipping club in the most random cities in the country and it got so big that I see people doing it, tagging me, and the people that did it have no idea who I am, yeah. which is great. I don't need them to know who I am. I want them to go tip these waitresses. I want them to go tip their waiters all over the world. And so I say that because a lot of people look at charity. They think it's rude to talk about charity, or if you talk about it, then it's not real charity. Yeah, right. I promise you, the people that are receiving the charity don't care how it happened. Yeah. The person that's receiving the money or getting the, the toys or the laptop at the school drive or getting the Thanksgiving food or getting the toys at the toy drive, they don't care how it happened or what you did to get there. They care about the end result of getting the toys, getting the food, et cetera. And yeah. so I implore people that are out there, be proud when you're involved in charity. Be proud when you win a fight, a baseball match, a poker match, a golf match. Be proud no matter what the media tells you to do and try to like cower and not say because it's egotistical or brav- what do you call it? Like bravado. Bravado, whatever you call it. Be proud when you win. You worked hard to win that fight. You worked hard to win the wrestling match. You worked hard to win the poker tournament, the baseball match, the golf tournament, et cetera. The same concept applies. When you go out there and do a successful charity event or you go help the homeless, be proud of that and hopefully people will replicate what you're doing and the butterfly effect will be much bigger than what that one thing that you did. Yeah, and it is contagious, by the way. So if I can just call myself out real quick, I just got done saying, you know, as as an athlete or as, as business owners and entrepreneurs, we're so busy, right? I mean, people probably listening right now, there's, you know, I, I think I'm a hard worker. I think I'm a pretty busy guy. Definitely not as busy as you. And the amount of charity that you do, it is it is inspiring. And it also unlocks the door. It unlocks the mind to say, well, I'm not too busy to do it. I mean, look what Dan's doing, you know? So that's a testament to you. And also anybody who is listening right now, because obviously your, your viewership and <clears throat> your audience is like-minded and they're probably very busy and they probably have the same thoughts uh, of what I just said. And I have to call myself out and say, hey, you're definitely not too busy. You're never too busy to give back. So, all right. Last question, Michael Chandler. What is next for you? Are you going to fight Conor McGregor? <laughs> Who's up next? After we saw that amazing knockout you had with Tony Ferguson, like the world is talking, the world is watching. What's next for Michael Chandler? Man, I wish I knew. Uh, we're definitely working on getting Conor. Definitely working on the Conor fight. Um, I do think. I think at this point, it's it's hopefully more likely than than not. Um, but you know, it is Connor and it's, it's the biggest fight you can ask for, but I'll definitely be fighting sometime later this summer or early fall and, uh, keep on keeping on. And it'll definitely be a big fight. I know, you know, the UFC wants to give me big fights. I want big fights. 
go out there. And we want to see it. You want to see wars. it? Wars. Yeah, straight up wars, yeah, man. So hopefully it's Connor. Uh, we wanna, we're we'll sitting see. at the edge of our couch waiting, like watching those fights and <laughs> waiting for that backflip at the end of the match. Yeah. All right, guys, you're listening to the Money Mondays. My name is Dan Fleischman. I'm here with my co-host, The Real Tarzan. We just interviewed Michael Chandler, the UFC star, the backflipper, the investor, the entrepreneur. Now, we do have a favorite ask. Go out there and share the Money Mondays because we want more people to talk about money because we think it's rude to not talk about money. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Money Mondays. I have my co-host here, The Real Tarzan. What's up? I'm very excited about our guest today. When I was planning out this podcast, actually, he was one of the first guests that I wanted on it. So I'm excited that he's one of the first guests to be on it. Wes Watson, I don't have to go over too much of the backstory. You guys have seen him online, crushing it, yelling at you, screaming at you, making you get right and act right, do push-ups on the spot. I'm actually going to do some right now while we're talking. You can kind of hear him in the background breathing hard because we just saw him working out as we were walking up. So Wes Watson, we're going to dive right into it. Give us a quick two-minute bio about you just so we can get right to the money. Quick breakdown. Wes Watson, GP Penitentiary Life was my YouTube channel I started with. I did 10 years in CDC, California Department of Corrections. I got out five years ago. On December 17, 2017, I got out. Now we're at my mega mansion right here in Rancho Santa Fe, San Diego. And I mean, the whole point is, is that I just figured out what worked. I finally got out of my way. I finally figured out what was truly working for me. And that was over that 10 years, I healed myself and I taught others to do the same. It was one big stage of growth that started as like self-actualization. How can I get myself out of fucking prison and stay out? So I had to, I didn't have a second chance. Right. Like I had, I have four fucking strikes and people are like, four strikes? Wouldn't you be struck out at three? No, there were four in one case. They can only ride two. So, I mean, I didn't have another chance. I had to make everything perfect, make everything count. So from the from the day I made the choice to never drink again, smoke again, engage in any negativity that brought me into the penitentiary, from that day, I never took a back step. And I just moved forward with a positive mindset, positive actions, and a daily plan. That daily plan brought me here today as far as I am because it works for everybody. And the plan is that we literally listen to our conscience and let it be our guide and correct, correctly walk this path that we know our heart's been telling us to do forever. Like I, I, I knew from the beginning I was a fuck up doing wrong shit and it was going to, it was going to land in the penitentiary. I wanted to go to prison. The other day, my boy said, you never lose, huh, Wes? And I said, well, I did go to prison for 10 years. And he's like, yeah, but was that a loss? I'm like, no, I wanted to go. And by even literally walking that path and going to prison, those 10 years of just monotonous fucking grinding, that's what built the discipline in me the unbreakable mindset that I have today that I share with people on social media to overcome what they call challenges out here, which I call fucking affluenza. But I mean, the whole point is, is that it's not as bad as you think it is and you can overcome fucking anything. So five years ago, you were in a penitentiary. Five. Now I'm looking to my right and there's 10 luxury cars, Maybachs, two Rolls Royces that look the same. And you're like, well, that one has two doors. Three that one has four to three. Sorry. <laughs> Let me correct myself. There's three of them. Freaking Lamborghinis and everything. How do you go from five years ago to being a penitentiary to now sitting here at a multi-million dollar mansion with a whole freaking row of cars? Monetizing your content, monetizing your passion. Like even in prison, I was posting on Instagram. I saw Rich Piana and I saw like him posting positive quotes and I didn't want to be as jacked as, as rich. He was just way too big. But I was like, I can do that because I like that. I liked the the positivity. I liked that he was showing these workouts and the message he was putting out. And I'm like, I saw that Instagram was like a powerful tool. I'm like, this is going to be a massive like marketing tool. And this there's huge growth right here. So I started posting in prison in black and white in 2014 was my first post on Instagram in prison from my prison rack. And I never missed a post even in prison. Wow. Every day I would have someone bring the phone to me. One of my South side homies would sit on the phone and charge it. Or one of my, one of my people, one of the whites, they would bring me the phone and I would, I'd already have my post written out the hashtags I'm going to put. And I would just fucking post up, get the picture, have someone take it, take that shit with you. And I would get the post up. Now the cops were like, they got, caught wind of my Instagram. They're like, take that shit down. I'm like, nah, fuck you. And they're just like, you're not going home if you don't take it down. I'm like, 
I am home, motherfucker. What do you mean I'm not going <laughs> oh, home? I've been here for 10 fucking years. Fuck yourself. Now, one of my favorite pictures that I took in prison is now the cover of my best-selling book, Non-Negotiable by Wes Watson. And um, literally, it just... I saw it as a tool and I never stopped. And everybody says that's the key to success is just, just to never stop. Just pick a path and just till you become undeniable. But I really live this shit. Like I really never missed a post. And I had a plan. Like I was in black and white posting the whole time in prison for like from 2014 to 2017 when I got out. The day I got out of prison, I put up a color pick and I'm like, I'm out. They gave me a $200 check, which is called gate money. And with that $200 check, I bought a pair of Chucks and a gym membership, and I just never accepted a fucking plan B. A lot of people say these quotes, like, they threw me to the wolves and I came back right. pack leader. Uh, fuck a plan B. I live these motherfuckers. When I hear a quote that resonates with me, I just take it as full truth and I will not back down from it. I'm just, I'm so unrealistic and just so determined that I'll make it happen. And now I've basically used the content monetize the platforms on YouTube and Instagram. And I've helped people overcome challenges of their own and then teach them to do that for others. So one of my favorite quotes is I tell people our purpose in life is to create the man you admire and give him to the world. Wow. So that's what I'm teaching people to do. Create the person they truly admire unbiasedly and then give that person to the world. How does that translate into the internet? Well, are you fit? Are you sober? Do you have money? Like what, what is the man you admire? So on your page, you're creating this person you admire and then you're building a program around that to help people become that. And that's really a quote that I came up with on my prison rack. And I was like, that's, that's what I'm doing. And then when you look at say like Maslow's law of growth needs, the hierarchy, there's self-actualization and then self-transcendence. You're in a phase of actualization when you're creating the man you admire. And then finally, when you gift him to the world, you're in that phase of self-transcendence where you've given your all to something. And I tell people it's not about you. Like, fuck me. I don't even give a fuck about me. Like, I've fully given myself to this process as if it's like a religion. And because it is to me, it's saved my life. So I teach people this process and teach them to teach it to other people. And the thing is, is it's not like every other business where you have to buy it to try it and feel it. I've changed your life before you ever fucking do anything with me. So that's what people don't get with a business. It should be so front end valuable that people are already bought in. Like you've given them your heart and soul and everything on the front end. I break down the whole fucking program for free on my page. Exactly what I'm going to teach you, but it's just not customized to you. So I'm showing you what I do. And then once you want to do it and want me to customize it, I customize it. And by then you've already been changed by the mindset tactics I teach, the beliefs I preach, and the way I just showcase that a man can live. So they come in already changed. This is what people don't get. Their product isn't very front end, you know? So when you say the word content, we're sitting here with the real Tarzan, you get hundreds and hundreds of millions of views on your content. And everywhere we go together, people are like, I don't know how you do it, or holy shit, or like, how do you, just quick, like, how do you make content with, ostriches or wild snakes or things that people are normally scared of how do you comfortably make content with those type of animals keep the camera rolling you know it's like uh it's like how you say you're home with animals i'm home man in the jungle i'm home with certain animals that just i feel like even more comfortable with them than i am with people you know or even with my own family and i love my family but there's a, just a different level of love you know and admiration i have for all different types of species man. i've said that with my followers like yeah. i've been like dude I would trade, I wouldn't trade my followers and my Instagram page and those people for anything. He's saying it with his animals. He brought up compared it to his family. I say the same thing about Instagram and my my subscribers and my followers because they were there with me through everything. Yep. They were in prison with me. They watched me get out. They've seen me go through everything. And that's what people aren't realizing when they're creating content is like, if you don't love what the fuck you do, if you don't, I love my fucking followers. Like when they fucking fuck with my page and shut my shit down, I'm like heartbroken and they know it. Like you have to really care and fucking love this shit. Yeah. And you, he does for his animals and, and Dan does for all of us with the content he puts out. And the whole thing is, how do you prove that you're, you don't deviate. Like I'll never miss. Cause I know some kid on the other side of the world is like, man, like Wes just, he gets up every day. I don't know how he does it. Like I'm going to put down the drink, you know, I'm going to put down the dope or whatever the fuck he's doing wrong. But you just give people hope by living outwardly on camera like that. It's it's, it's massive. I mean, I, I was in a place of such despair in prison that I was just reading books and quotes just to keep my mind right. And I know that's what I am for people. So I'm not 
I'm not jaded to the fact of people are struggling, they're suffering. And the words of someone else that have made it, that's their, that's their fucking salvation. Like they're like, man, if that guy made it from prison in five years, I could get half that. I could get a quarter of that. The motherfucker just said he had three fucking Rolls Royces. Like, I just want one. Like, that's a third, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and we could get him that. Me, you, and when you mess with someone like Dan, like, he knows how to do this shit. When you fuck with someone like me who built it from scratch, I know every fucking hurdle you're going to come across. So I'm going to be able to help you build your, your coaching brand online and monetize it very fucking easy, very cheap for what you're bringing. Some people invest with me like 3000 a month, 7,500, 12,500 for six or 20,000 for a year. I brought people back $2 million off a $7,500 investment and a 30 minute fucking phone call. Like that's the skill level that we possess when we've done it this fucking long, you know? So the Money Mondays, we only talk about three things. How do you make money? How do you invest money? And how do you give some away to charity? Talk us through how does Wes Watson make money? Wes Watson makes money by literally just giving his soul online. But I have three main programs. And don't you motherfuckers hit me up for the cheap one. The cheap pro, <laughs> fuck that. You're, you, you're never going to get the best out of the cheapest shit. Invest in yourself. So I have a high ticket program where I teach you how to build your own coaching program like I built. I'm not one of those coaches who's teaching you how to build a business that he didn't build. I made $10 million coaching people personally online, just one-on-one -on -one for a, a very low ticket, $299 a month, $750 for three months, $1299 for six months, $2,000 for a year. That's my mid-level program. I made millions upon millions off that program before I, and had ClickFunnels awards, all the shit before I ever went into business coaching. You motherfuckers who haven't made millions Coaching what you're about to teach, there's a fucking problem, okay? Don't do that yet. At least be on the scoreboard first. But So I have a mid-level program that teaches you how to be better. Mind, body, and soul program. It's mindset, training, and nutrition. We have an app that tracks your nutrition and training, and then we get on a Zoom call to talk to me directly for mindset. That's the mid-level. Then I have a high level that is just more... It's bi-weekly calls with me one-on-one. -on -one. That's 3,000 a month, 7,500 for uh, three months, 12,500 for six, 20,000 for a year. Those are people who are like mainly CEOs or top people or people who just are really struggling. They want to get their mind right. That's a mindset program. Then I have a business program where I actually sit down and I tell you every fucking post, every app, all calls to action, your offers. I structure your whole business. You will leave that first phone call able to make money as a coach online. So I have the, the one where we actually build your business. I have the elite mindset program where I work on you one-on-one. -on -one. Then I have a group program that's the same as elite mindset, but just group. And then I have a low ticket program. The low ticket program is like a Patreon page, a membership area where we all can get together. It's a community app. And then they can access the group Zoom call. The lower ticket has 47, it's 47 bucks a month with 13,500 members, does about 700,000 a month. Then we have the mid-level with about 4,000 members from 299 to 2,000. I have the um, the coaching group that, I mean, which is clocking so fast. We're getting five to seven people per day over wow. the last year on a high ticket program. And so I don't even, I couldn't even calculate how many people because it's been growing so fast. After I did Real as Fuck with Andy Frazella, I mean, I don't even, the monthly of the high ticket doubled and hasn't <laughs> gone down. And he's a man, but it hasn't gone down since then. Last month we did in new sales, 900,000 and total 1.7 million. But the whole thing is, is what do I do? I do what I love for a living. This is how it fucking started. I just went online with no hope of making money or anything. I was just proud that I was finally out of my fucking way. I'm like, I'm not a dumb, alcoholic, drug-using fucking bitch of a man anymore who's going to cause problems and go back to prison. I literally... Every, I got everything down. I'm not in my way anymore. And I'm proud. And I share that online. My mindset, what I do each day, I'm just showing my day. And then that caught on. Hey, teach me how to live that day. Teach me how to do it. Teach me what you're doing. Then that turned into the, the mid-level program. And then I taught so many people how to get into shape and feel better about themselves. They said, can you teach me how to do what you do, which is coach other people? So I didn't just have these. 
I don't come up with ideas. My people, my clients, my followers tell me what they want from me. And I'm like, oh, dope. Yeah, let's do that. I'm not that fucking guy plotting and planning how to make money. I'm the guy who does what he fucking loves, sits in the space and waits for the fucking the shit to come show itself. So now we're sitting on my compound right here. It's nine acres in Rancho Santa Fe. And I just had an idea one day. I need to get a big place into a mastermind so all my people could come hang out with me one on one. And so that was my next endeavor, which already is on track to being another seven figure stream in the first year. But that's mainly all off coaching is how I make my money. But it's the best service known to man. It gave me my life back. I've saved thousands, if not millions of lives with this program and these teachings. And I'll do it the rest of my life. I don't give a fuck. I don't I don't feel people burn out or have fatigue when they it's something they truly love and they have positive self-talk about it. If you're always pumped up, you love it. How the fuck could you get tired? You only get tired from it when you're when you have negative self-talk about the moment, you know. So Tarzan like with that. hundreds and hundreds of millions of views, how does the real Tarzan make money? Is it brand deals? Brand deals, traveling, YouTube, Instagram. I was actually one of the first influencers to get paid from Instagram. So uh, when I did IGTV, I think I was getting paid like seven bucks per thousand views. Oh, wow. When I first started. So that's uh, like a CPM or C- I yeah, CPM, remember, rate, CPM yeah. rate. So CPM is cost per thousand eyeballs. Yeah. So, I mean, sh- I mean, YouTube monetization, <laughs> Facebook monetization. I remember I set up my Facebook years ago and I was getting like literally three cents in because I wasn't using it. And I'm like, man, they're still sending me three cents. Maybe if I do post on there, when three cents, three hundred bucks, three thousand bucks, most I ever made from there was like thirty thousand, you know. But I'm not, you know, as active on YouTube as I would like to be, you know. I mean, uh, Facebook, but YouTube brand deals, you know, merch. merch. You know, I do on my. Uh, I have a company called Wild Breed, and I sell uh, shirts, t-shirts, protein shakes, you know, and the fitness as well too. So I just, you know, push it everywhere I can. OnlyFans, you know. I don't sell any toe pictures though, you know. <laughs> just regular shit, you know, behind the scenes of travels and trips. And so this question is for both of you. What is it that makes people scared to post their real life content on social media? Fucking ego. People's ego keeps them from posting. They don't think they're good enough. They fucking, I didn't look good from this angle. I don't have the right thing to say. It's all about them. I I've dropped my ego completely. I don't give a fuck about me. This is a message that I know works and will help people. So I have to get it out. It doesn't matter how I look, how I feel or anything about that. And that's what I teach people. It's like, how the fuck were you okay with posting your bong pick, your beers out with your buddies and all your debauchery? You didn't even question the night out and all the fuckery, but now all of a sudden you're posting something positive and you're all questioning it and people are questioning you for it. There's something wrong with society when that's happening. Like, oh, hey, look at that big ass joint homie rolled or look at that fucking huge dude. Look how many bottles he bought. But then when you're like talking some real positive shit, people are like, the fuck are you saying, man? Or they're they're questioning their own positive shit. I just tell people that's the wrong mindset. And I, I'm just making being positive, being a being a, a solid man. What's cool? Fuck all that. That is cool. Bullshit. Like I just the coolest thing to me is someone you fully just can trust, man. They they hold their word. They're they're not chasing stupid shit. They're literally consistent as fuck. They're just that's that's my whole goal is to make that what's admired. So Tarzan, how can people not be scared to make content? To be transparent, man. The more you're transparent with what we got going on in your life and your business and what you're trying to do, the more you keep it real, the better. You know, and that's why the whole aspect of me being positive, positivity is key, even in my negative parts of my life. I share the transparency with my fans and followers and I, I walk them through that turmoil, you know, so they see me come out the other side like, yo, you stay positive. They're, you know, I was I got arrested before an ankle bracelet and I'm like, yo, shit happens. You know what I'm saying? You got to keep the train moving, you know, house burned down one day. And I'm like, hey, fuck. Got to rebuild. We got to rebuild. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to move it in my, my back house. You know, I was on five acres for one acre burn. I say, I got four acres left. Fuck, I'm not going to cry the about best, it. That's the best part about being on social media long term is there stuff like that's gonna happen and they get to see how you react yep everyone's seen plenty happen to me i mean i was in prison got out started a family it fell apart i mean everything like that possibly could have like derailed me didn't derail me and they're like man this dude isn't this dude solving my problem right in front of my face like when life happens he doesn't quit 
And when life happens to them, they go run to vices or stuff that breaks them down or they quit. They take their foot off the gas. And that's the one thing I won't do. I just will always stick to what works. I run to growth, not to what breaks me down. I run to what builds me up, you know? I like that. All right. So we went over how to make money. How do you invest money? Are there things you'd like to invest into? I mean, I, I invest into my brand massively. I don't, people see the shit I buy and they don't realize that I expect a return out of everything I buy. But I mean, right now, one of my biggest investments, it's just been always safe, was uh, Blackstone, Brett, B-R-E-I-T, which is like Blackstone Real Estate Equity Income Trust. And um, it's just a shared real estate. I don't have time to invest in real estate. I don't have time to flip houses. I just give so on my money and get a return. And at the height, they were doing like 25% fucking annually, like literally it, crazy. I mean, it's probably a lot less now, but they guarantee 10%. But at the height of everything about a year ago, it was that high. And on four to $6 million, I mean, you're making a million bucks clean off not doing anything. And I don't know people that were flipping houses, putting 4 million into a house, getting that much back that quick. But I mean, yeah, it's fluctuating. That's really the only stuff I've really invested in was... You know, just standard stuff that so a CEO would do, like their IRAs and just, you know, my accountant at UBS instructing me what to put stuff in. I don't know that shit. I've never been money motivated. I've really been like purpose driven. I just, I'm not motivated that much by money. That's why I let it go a lot. I just bought another $650,000 car cash. People are like, that's not the wise thing to do. I'm like, I don't have scarcity in money. I was in prison forever. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck, you know? Like, <laughs> I still have the fucking money. It's just in a fucking car. Well, you lost a little bit. Well, I make a lot. How about that? <laughs> like, the, the amount that I lost is your year, but it's my day. So are you okay with losing a day for some good content and some good fun? Yeah, it's fine with me. But I mean, they just, a lot of people don't know how much we really make. And what would you do if you made 30 to 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a day and you were, didn't really have that much expenses because it's online. They really could never judge it correctly. But I really think in 2023, everybody should put more money into their online personal brand than anything. I just, cause I've never seen, anybody's investment pan out this much. Like I'm making over a million. I, I could buy one of those cars and still save over a million dollars a month. And like, the thing is what the fuck investment is going to do that. Put all your money into your personal brand. And what am I selling? I'm selling a product that's changing lives, a product that I fucking use. That's the one thing I want everyone to be like, if you're, into money and this is your shit and you're a fucking man, literally you have to be the man you always needed and the customer you wanted. Like everyone's too often not the customer they want. I fuck like when people like try to make me sell them, I'm like, do you realize what you're doing? You're not the customer you want. Like you're, I'm always the customer I want. I'm very easy. I know what I want and I buy. It's just, people just aren't really fair with giving what they want in return a lot in life. And they don't understand why shit doesn't go their way, you know? So there's how to make money. We went over how to invest money. Now, Tarzan, let's talk about how to give away money or how to spend your time and energy for charity. What charities do you like and why? I love giving money away overseas, um, like actually in hand, going to feed people, going to help different animal organizations. You know, there's like a company called Vetpaw in uh, South Africa. They deal with poachers, anti-poaching, you know, help raise the money for them. Um, Someone out in uh, the Great Barrier Foundation, they needed a new boat. So we're like, yo, let's raise this money. So because my man's a $100,000 boat to go out there and restore coral, you know, where we got another coral farm in Bora Bora that we support named uh, Coral Gardeners. And uh, we was like, yo, they need cameras to check on the coral growth to watch it all day, you know? So, I mean, anything involving animals and people that are actually really about that life, I'm down to help them, you know? And that's where I got all my uh, Instagram started from. We're trying to help people. I think I've given away and helped raise more money than I've made, you know, wow. and I made some good money, you know, from an animal aspect, you know, there's no money in the animal world, people say, but fuck that, you know, I'm here to prove and tell y'all and show y'all that there's money in it, you know, and there's also money to give away, you know, so. Why do you think it's important that there's a charity element to people's personal brands? I mean, personally, I... I honestly give my whole life to bettering people, all my time and energy. We've been offered this thing recently that it's through one of your friends. 
to um and I, I don't really think that way. That's not like my terms of thinking, but I was looking at my girl and I was like, I remember her saying her dream was to build a school. And there was someone that, you know, that you introduced me to that they were doing that and they're, they're in Guatemala or something. Yep. And it was so inexpensive. I'm like, oh yeah, well, like when she feels better off what's going on in her life and this planet, it'd be awesome. Like, then I just see that as such like a bonding thing that if that's something someone really cares about and that's a bucket list for them, how amazing is that? Right. I just always like, I'm more like charitable with who I am. Like I coach 24 seven. If I'm fucking, I literally do this. I'll leave a, all day long. I coach people. So I get off a call and then I'll go park somewhere. And this guy comes rolling up. He's like taking pictures of the car. He's like, is this your car? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, I do this. And he's like, what do you mean I do? You do this. I'm like, I'm like, I do this right here. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I coach people. And he's like, so, and I'm like, I was waiting for you. And I'm like, for you. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you do? And he's like, I lost a bunch of weight and I'm trying to like motivate people to do that. I'm like, well, frankly, I'm probably one of the biggest people in that space. This is a real story. I show my phone. I said, this is who I am. I do exactly what you're trying to do at the highest level. Mm -hmm. Sit down. And he sits down. I start showing him everything, how it works from YouTube videos to how they click the link and it goes to my website and it comes in the form of a lead. I close leads in front of them. Like they would come through my high level uh, CRM and I would show them. I'm like, look, this person's coming through. This is what I'm offering them. And here I'm sending them the link and they just bought. He's like, no way. You just made $7,000 sitting here right now. I'm like, yeah, I do it all day. And he's like, what the fuck? And it's blowing his mind. And like, I just, I really go to places knowing like I'm called to sit somewhere. And he's like, how, what the fuck? He, he walks away, like talking to God. He's like, no way. Like this dude was waiting here for me. And it's like, I live a whole different type of life. I don't even pay attention to, I was in prison forever. All this shit's weird as fuck to me. Like the sensory world and the tangible, it means nothing to me. Like I live in a space that's between both spots and I'm like always reading shit differently, placating like contractions and expansions of energy and people and things. And people are like, what's your posting structure? I'm like, well, this time of the week, people are going through this and they're sensing this. So there's like hypnotic rhythm this way. So we would post like this. And this time of the week, people are engaging in this habit. So this is what we would say and do at this time. And they're like, what the fuck? And I'm just always reading behavior patterns and shit like that stuff that prison makes you learn, which reading people's behavior. Like if it's about to kick off in the fucking yard, you're like, damn, dad's looking kind of pissed right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. Something's <laughs> going down. He's, yeah. he's sharpening his piece last night. You hear that rinky mm -hmm. rinky. And you're like, damn, what the fuck? The motherfucker fucking silent next to me, sharpening his piece in his cell. It's about to go down. But you, I mean, you just gotta, I read people, I read energy, I read environments and I read everything. And I just, sense people. I know what pain is in their life. And that's what I do. Like, I'm like, I know what you need help with. And they're not honest enough to say, yeah, I do, but I'll, I'll tell them and I'll be forceful about it. And I'll literally show them that I can help them. And I've just brought a lot of change to people's lives that way. But the charitable way, like I just, I need direction in what would be so valuable in like my sector or whatever. Cause he said he's works with like uh, animals. animals and everything that supported him. And um, so me, people would say, go talk to people in prison. And I'm like, fuck man. Like in all reality, I don't think if people are like, I've had a lot of time working with people that aren't ready to walk a certain path. They have to come to you. So I think the content is a perfect thing for them to hear what you're saying and then come to you. So the way it works is, it's optimal in helping people in my, my area, which is my background, which is prison. But like you said, the introduction to the thing of the schools, that's probably something we're going to do next year. And you'll see content about, cause it's fucking crazy how much we make and how much um, that would support a life in another country. And we've already been speaking to people about that right now, but that's, that's mainly something on the agenda. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Travis are both bought a school. They told me yeah, about that. Yeah. We yeah. both did it. Where are you going in April to on the it's March 27th? Yeah. March. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last question. Why do you think people are scared or think it's awkward to talk about money? It's because it, it's scarcity right there and it exposes their weakness. Like, why would you want to talk about your weakness? It's like if you were like talking about fat people and you're the only fat person in the fucking room, you'd be like, ah, you'd be picking your fucking shirt out your titties and your crevices and shit. <laughs> Motherfucker be all uncomfortable. Like, God damn, you had to talk about fat people right now. Fuck this shit. But I mean, that's the thing. Like anything that makes you uncomfortable, you should be addressing. 
If it's things, fix it. And if when we talk about money or you see my dumb ass pull up in a fucking Phantom with a driver, you're like, oh, what the fuck? That's awfully flashy. Why would you need that much attention? Look at like that's the whole thing. Like people are like, that's like a like attention seeking or whatever, or you you want validation. I'm like, I do. Mm-hmm. I want your attention. I do want validation because guess what? If and they're like, you're trying to impress people. I am trying to impress people because guess what? I would only listen to someone who impresses me. If you don't impress me, I'm not going to listen to you. So I have to impress people for them to listen to me, follow the path <clears throat> that I have set. And then I can create more impressive people who are actually working on themselves and showing up as valuable assets. I mean, I don't get why people don't want people to succeed. It's so fucking weird, but it's just, it's an insecurity of theirs because they're not good in that area. They're, they haven't spent enough time thinking about it, be gathering knowledge and actually attaining money. All right, guys, you're listening to the money Mondays. Make sure to like, and subscribe. You can do me one favor, share this content on your social media so we can help more people make some more money, save some money, invest money. I'm here with my co-host, the real Tarzan. We're here with Wes Watson. Now, one last quick thing. It is rude to not talk about money. We'll see you guys soon. It's rude to not talk about money. 100%.